online internet church service. I'm so happy that you're here. Why don't you grab your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Proverbs chapter 10 verse 22 and it says that the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow with it. Before we jump into today's message let's honor the Lord with our tithes and offerings and as we do so let's meditate on that verse that I would like for you to personalize and claim it by faith and make it your own. In other words, read it like this to yourself. The blessing of the Lord makes me rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. The Lord has no issues with you being wealthy, with you being rich. He actually would like for you to be rich because then you can be a greater influence for his kingdom and for the preaching of the gospel. And God even made Abraham very rich. Woo, praise the Lord. So God wants you to be rich, and His blessing is His supernatural empowerment that takes you into that place of overflowing prosperity. So today, as you honor the Lord with your tithes and offerings, believe by faith that that blessing is touching your life, every aspect of your life, and you are moving forward into the place of abundance and overflow and prosperity that God has planned for you where literally God makes you rich. Praise the Lord. And of course, as he does that, because it's a, it's a process that he's taking you into, you're going from glory to glory financially. As he does that, make sure that you give him all the credit, you give him all the glory, and you give him all the praise, because he is continuing to lift you higher and higher and higher. That's what that blessing is doing, is take you into the greater dimensions of his blessing, of the manifestation of wealth and provision in your life, and God has greater measures of abundance that He's releasing into your life right now. Praise God. Now keep that in mind as you bring the tithe and the offering into God's storehouse. If you would like to mail your tithes and offerings in, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina, 28654. If you want to bring the tithe and offering in online, you can do so by visiting the ministry website at stephenbrooks.org. There's a link on the homepage called Tides and Offerings, and you can go there right now and bring them into the storehouse of God. Also on our website, there's a header that's called Projects. We have two special projects that we're working on right now, the ministry hangar and also the ministry fence to go around the ministry property. And if you would like to sow into any one of those projects, as well as a general fund, that would be a blessing as well to the ministry. Praise the Lord. All right, you are blessed in the Lord today. Heavenly Father, bless your people with mighty overflow, abundance. Make them rich in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now, let's go to the book of Philippians today. Let's drop down to chapter 4, and let's meet in verse 6 and talk about the mind sandwich. Woo, hallelujah. This message might make you hungry for a sandwich. Praise God. Heavenly Father, we ask that as we would now jump into today's message, that your Holy Spirit would illuminate our understanding, that our minds be fixed on the things that you have given us instruction to meditate upon. Thank you, Father. Let us have good understanding of these eight principles. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we all agree and say amen. 
Now, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, we have that admonition not to be anxious, not to worry about things, but to pray. And as we do, the peace of God will sweep into your heart. So verse 7 is a very powerful statement about the peace of God. Peace that is actually so strong that it can go beyond your understanding. You would think, wow, this piece, I can't even describe it. That's how amazing it is. And then verse 8 tells us what we are to meditate on, what we're to keep our minds on. And then verse 9 says, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, this is the Apostle Paul speaking, and the God of peace will be with you. Okay, so verse 7, heavy emphasis on the peace of God. Verse 9, Paul again closes that mighty statement up, again describing the God of peace, manifesting when we do verse 8. Well, you'll see that 7 and 8 are like the pieces of bread to a sandwich that closes it up. And verse 8 is the interior of the sandwich. It's the cheese, it's the meat, the tomatoes, the onions, or the lettuce. Whatever you would like to put on your sandwich is mentioned there in verse 8. But it's 7 and 9 that holds it all together, the peace of God. So here's what the Holy Spirit is highlighting. That if you will do verse 8, then the peace of God will flood your heart, it will flood your mind, it will actually surround you with a, with a hedge of peace. Woo! Glory to God. So we need to really understand verse 8. This is the meat of the matter. A matter of fact, Paul says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true. In other words, he says, finally, brethren. So to the church there in Philippi, he is wrapping it all up, and he's going to boil it all down to this very condensed teaching in verse 8. So it's very, very powerful, and it's surrounded on both sides by the peace of God. Okay? Finally, brethren, whatever things are true. Now, he's going to go through eight things. Okay, say eight. These are eight things. Uh, eight is one of God's favorite numbers. Eight represents new beginnings. And as you work these eight things, your mind will have a new beginning, a new way of thinking. Woo, hallelujah. Now, this relates very closely to the teachings of Paul from the book of Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 which talks about the renovation of the mind the renewing of the mind praise God well this is how we do it I want to I want to read the latter part of verse 8 just for a moment because it says meditate on these things okay so these eight things that we're going to discuss today you are supposed to meditate on them Woo, keep your mind on them. Now, let's look at them. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true. Okay, so number one, we are to keep our mind on those things that are true. We are to meditate on the things that are true. And honestly, if you stop and think about it, I mean, really, who would, who would want to waste their time meditating on a lie? I don't think uh, anybody would do that intentionally. Any, uh, you know, even somebody that believes a lie, I don't think that they were, they're actually thinking, this is a lie, and I'm just, I'm just choosing to believe a lie. Nobody would do something like that intentionally. You would have to be in deception to do that. Well, we want to stay in the truth, and the truth is God's Word. Hallelujah. And I really believe that one of the great challenges of the church in the last days, and we see this already is the challenge to not compromise the truth. 
because culture, if it drifts from God, culture will just begin to degrade and will begin to accept anything and then try to relabel that as being true for the perhaps the present generation. But just because culture has redefined standards doesn't mean that God has changed his mind on it. You know, stealing is still wrong. God said in the Ten Commandments, you shall not steal. Well, you know, somebody might try to justify it and say, well, you know, we have new standards today, but new standards will never change you know, biblical principles and the eternal laws of God. Truth. Hallelujah. Meditate on those things that are true. Glory to God. I know that with the moral thermometer of America, with, you know, if you were to gauge the temperature of morality of the nation, you know, if you look at if you look at the media and things like that, you think, well, it doesn't, it doesn't look too good. It looks like the temperature is showing that the patient is sick. <laughs> well, you know, we need to tell people the truth. If you lie to people, you know, it, it says in the Old Testament, when God was dealing with the prophet Ezekiel, if you don't tell them, their blood's going to be on your hands. And so when you have a person come up to you and ask you, what is the truth? What does God really say about this? Is this, is this actually wrong? Is this a sin? You know, I've had people ask me certain things, and the best way to do it is just open up the Bible and show them what God says, because God's Word is truth. And if a person is, you know, sexually confused, and maybe, maybe they just really don't know, maybe they're actually seeking answers, they're looking for the truth, we'll take them to the book, uh, to the book of Romans chapter 1. Well, this is what God said about homosexuality. This is what God said about lesbianism. You know, uh, you may have strong feelings, but let's just put feelings aside, and let's put hormones and testosterone aside. What did God say? Because God clearly told, told us throughout the Bible, and Romans chapter 1 is just a classic text on that, what is considered wrong in the eyes of God, what's considered truthful. Hallelujah. So let's just always go back to the Word and not try to redefine everything, but let God's Word set the standard and not compromise that if culture happens to not agree with it. Because, you know, culture changes all the time. So we want to stay with the truth of God's Word. Really, you're going to find that these eight these eight high standards that God has given, it's like, it's like our minds, they have a, uh, we have the ability to surf, like maybe channel surfing is a good example. If you have a remote control, and you're sitting in front of your TV, you know, you're clicking through your channel, well, maybe you have satellite, maybe you have cable, but let's say you have, you have 100 channels, you could just channel surf and go through all of that. But really, what God wants us to do is be very selective with our thinking, very selective with what we put our minds on. And the first thing that we need to be very selective about is meditating only on those things that are true. And it's listed first. Why? It's the most important thing, because you don't want to believe a lie. And you'll notice that the, the world is happy to push a lie on you if you're gullible enough to believe it. You know, I, I've been to New York City many times. I've been to Manhattan a lot, and uh, 
you know, you can see Times Square, and, you know, the first time you go there, it's pretty cool. After a while, you realize, hey, it's, it's just a bunch of lights, you know, competing for your attention. And, you know, if you're, if you're sensitive enough, you'll also realize, hey, um, is it just me, or does it smell like sewage around here? Well, it, it, everybody knows that. Uh, <laughs> so uh, outside of the, you know, the glazing lights, uh, the, uh, the, all the glitter and the blazing lights, you know, it's just... Uh, it, it's, you know, you, you realize it's, this is just a bunch of smoke and mirrors in many ways. But what's going on there? The, the competing for your, your senses, they, they want your eyes, okay? And they want your eyes to pick up certain sensory material and send that straight into your brain, and they want you to buy this. That's what they're competing for. They want your attention. And the whole world is competing for what you think about, because they want you to buy their product. They want you to shop here. They want you to spend your money there, and you're just going to get hit with it left and right. Now, maybe you live somewhere that's not like a... Uh, Times Square Center, but you know, uh, it's still, it's going to be reaching for you through television, through the media, uh, through billboards and through signs and things like that. So you really can't hide from it. It's out there, but you have to filter the channels that you let your mind, you know, watch. And, and, you know, honestly, you should do that with your television anyhow, but we're talking about the mind where God gives you eight channels, eight channels that you can watch. And the first one needs to be the channel of truth. Woo, hallelujah. And, it, and if it's not true, you should not be looking at it. You should not be meditating on it. Because look, all that junk's going to pass away. What's eternal, what's of God's kingdom is going to be what stands. And so you need to build upon that rock foundation. Mm, thank you, Lord Jesus. So it leads off by we are to meditate on what is true. And so if a person asks you as a knowledgeable believer what the truth really is, you don't need to compromise. You just need to tell them. You, just, you need to say, this is what God said. This is what God said. And God didn't say it because he's trying to ruin your fun. God said it because he's trying to, he's actually trying to protect you. He's trying to help you. He loves you. And he knows if you do it his way, it will go well with you. And if you deviate from that and you go into falsehood and to deception, it's not going to end well. Mm, praise the Lord. Thank God for truth. We celebrate the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ and his holy word. Now, the second thing that we are, we are told to meditate on, to fix our minds on, okay, after the truth would be those things that are noble. Now, when it says meditate on those things that are noble, noble means that which adds dignity and honor to your life, those things that reflect your, your noble standing in Christ. Woo! You need to, you need to see yourself as nobility. I, I, I don't know if you're related to the King of England or the Queen of England. I, I don't know if there's, you know, royal ancestry in your blood. Uh, but I do know this. The moment you became a believer, a Christian, and you received Christ into your heart, His life flowed into you. And now, you are grafted into that, that divine lineage where Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. Or who, who are the kings that he's king over? That, that would be you and I and, and his people. Who, who, is the, who are the lords that he is the Lord over? That, that would be you and I. And you need to see yourself in humility, humbly, as a servant of the Most High God with royal DNA that you are now a king and a priest in Christ. Glory to God. And 
let that affect the way you think. Because, because really, that, that will, when that mind, that noble mind starts working in you, you know what? You may not want to eat all of your food from the, from the, um, from the dollar store. It'll affect, it'll affect all kinds of things when you start thinking noble thoughts. I'm not, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with going to the dollar store, but I will say this. If you, there's, a, there's a reason you should not be eating meals or TV dinners that cost 99 cents. Because they're loaded with salt and sodium. And if you, eat, if you just eat that stuff all the time, you're eating in a very, very unhealthy way. Mm. And as a child of God, you need to take care of your body. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You should not abuse your body. Well, Pastor Stephen, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to save money. Is, is ending up in the emergency room, is that going to save you money or cost you money? Is having a major operation because you've clogged up your arteries with unhealthy food, is that going to save you money or cost you money? You have to look at the long-term aspects of health, not just, not just right now, you know. You know, I, I like ramen noodles sometimes, but, you know, the good ramen noodles, like they eat in Japan, which I, I've had before, you know, because when flying uh, to certain destinations, I've had a lot of layovers in Japan. And I love their ramen noodles because they're good for you. They're actually healthy. They're not stripped of all the nutrients like they are here in America in the little bitty, you know, 30-cent pack that you get. That's loaded with sodium and, you know, and, and just all, all kinds of other weird preservatives and chemicals they put into it. In Japan, I love the ramen noodles. But here, you know, if, you just, if you're trying to live off that, you're going you're gonna to end up you know, uh, causing some adverse health effects. But see, it's nobility. It's nobility. Noble thoughts. And I'm not saying you have to eat in a gluttonous way. But I'm just saying you should take care of yourself, and you should, you should treat yourself better than that. Praise the Lord. Well, Pastor Stephen, you know, I, can, I, can eat there for, I, I can eat there for $4. <sighs> I, I, I worked in a sales posi position one time at a very large international agricultural company. We sold agricultural equipment all over, all over the nation. And I worked directly under the senior outside sales manager. And he told me something very important when he took me out on the field with him. We traveled all over, traveled all over Texas, New Mexico, surrounding states that we were working out of at, at that time. And he said, he said, Stephen, he said, I used to try to save the company money. He said, I'm very loyal to the company. I said, well, that's good. He said, he said, I was so loyal, I would even try to save the company money by eating at places that were cheap. And so I would eat, you know, fast food restaurants all the time. And I, he said, I was gaining weight and just, you know, b blowing up and getting big because I'm living off, you know, fast food because he, he was a full-time salesman. So he's, he's gone about five days out of the week. So he's just traveling all the time and, you know, eating at, you know, fast food. I won't call the names of the fast food restaurants, but you could probably think of the ones. That's, that's where he's eating at for, you know, 3 or $4 a meal. And he's getting, he's, he's just, he's losing his health. 
And he was, he said, they actually told me, he said, Stephen, they told me from corporate headquarters, they said, stop eating that junk. And they said, treat yourself right. We're not a broke company. We're an international company. We're the ones paying for your meals. Stop eating that, that food that's destroying your health and eat healthy meals. We don't care if your meal costs 12 or $15. And, and you know, this guy was not somebody to abuse the credit card, you know, the, the corporate credit card. But they said, eat good food. They, they said, you're our best salesman. Take care of yourself. We can't afford you. We can't afford to have you sick. Mm. And he said, so he said, from then on, I started eating healthy. Hallelujah. And he had lost a lot of weight. And, uh, you know, he uh, got, you know, got him an exercise uh, suit. He was always walking and, you know, and, and stuff like that. It's, it's really good. What had happened? A change in his way of thinking. What is that? Noble thoughts. Noble thoughts. See, Anything that's sinful is going to bring dishonor into your life. If you practice sin, it's going to, it's going to bring dishonor into your life. But God wants you to have that, that thought life of nobility. The way you act, the way that you conduct yourself, glory to God. And so God wants you to, He wants you to just have a life. A life where happiness is in your life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Something that God's very concerned about. Where there is honor and dignity in your life. Glory to God. You need to think like that. Does this glorify the Lord? Does this thing that I'm meditating on or I'm thinking about doing, does it bring glory and honor to the Lord? Does it have a noble expression? Woo! Hallelujah. If so, meditate on that. Glory to God. So those things that are true, meditate on. Those things that are noble, meditate on. Those things that are just. This one's good. This one's big. Meditate on those things that are just. Those things that would be just, in other words, those things that, that are your duty and your obligation to carry out to your family, to your society, to the church. Praise God. In other words, if you have a job, get your job done. Why? That's a just thing to do, to meditate upon. Praise God. Let me say this. If it's just, then you should always do it by the book. Don't break rules. Don't break laws. Don't do something illegal. If you found out unintentionally or unknowingly that you have crossed a line, be quick to fix that and endeavor to make it right and make sure that you don't repeat it again. Praise God. See, if you obey the speed limit when you're driving, when, you, when you're obeying the speed limit, and I know there's a little bit of a grace room. If the speed limit is 65 and you're, you're going 68 or 69, you, you, you know, you and I both know you're going to be okay. But, you know, if you're going 80, you know, then you're going to be a little bit nervous, always kind of looking around for, you know, highway patrol and stuff like that. But look, if you're obeying the speed limit you, and suddenly you see a police officer or a highway patrolman, you don't have to slam on your brakes. You don't have to have some kind of knee-jerk reaction. Why? You're not doing anything wrong. You're, you're behaving justly. So your way of thinking needs to be a just way of thinking. Praise the Lord. And sometimes, sometimes you even have to go beyond what's legal. And you have to ask yourself, it may be legal, but is it just in the eyes of God? Is it ethical? Is it ethical for me to work this job? See, it's legal to sell you know, whiskey and liquor and alcohol, but just because it's legal, does that mean that you should be doing it? It's legal in many states to uh, sell pornography, pornographic magazines and books and stuff like that. But just, look, just because it's legal, should you be doing it? <laughs> oh, no, Pastor Stephen, I shouldn't be doing that. But see, these are things you have to examine. Uh, 
you want to meditate on those things that are just. Hallelujah. Is it just? Is it just to go to war? Is there a valid reason that we're doing this? See, there were some really good Christians in Europe during World War I that objected to, you know, being involved in the fighting. And I've read about quite a few of them. And I could understand, you know, they were called conscientious objectors. In other words, they were Christian men and women that said, in our conscience, we object to fighting because there's really no valid reason for this for this war. Now, now if there were, okay, you know, we're willing to, to stand with our country and stuff like that. But when there's no reason, and really, if you examine World War One, that's what I'm talking about in context of World War One. It was really a stupid war that had no had no purpose. There was actually a mindset that had developed during that time in the early 1900s where war, the concept, the theory of war, had actually been glamorized. It had been romanticized and even taught that war is good. And leading universities and leading scholars and some even very misinformed theologians said that war is good, that it actually can elevate the economic situation, that war is good. And before you knew it, there was a war. There was, it was called World War I. And within just a few weeks, the theories of romanticized war and the glamour of war uh, uh, just got blown to smithereens. When people's legs start getting blown off and heads start getting blown off and people, you see your friends get, get you know, pumped full of bullets or blown to pieces by a cannon, suddenly the romanticized view of war is good, uh, uh, suddenly you realize war is hell. War is hell. And so you want to, you always want to do everything you can do not to get into a war. Even, even the Apostle Paul said, as much as depends on you, <laughs> you know, be, be peaceable with all men. Now, there can be times when you do have to take up arms and you do have to fight because there are bad people in the world. There were the Hitlers, the, the Stalins, the Mussolinis, and, you know, you, you got the bad characters out there that would be very happy to do you harm if you're not willing to resist them. But there's other times when, uh, hey, you know, is this thing just? If, it, if it's not just, we need, we need to really consider it. Because we, we need to meditate on those things that are just. Woo, glory to God. Hallelujah. Things that are your duty, your obligation. Now, if it's not just, okay, then we, we, we can see that. But if it is, if it is, we need to be aware of that. Praise God. So meditate on those things that are just. Hallelujah. Get your, get your stuff done. Get your job done. Get your assignment done. Get your commission done. Get your calling done. Fulfill your ministry. Praise the Lord. Whatever it might be. Praise the Lord. That is what it means. One of the aspects to be just. Now, meditate on that. Now, meditate on those things that are pure. Wow. Glory to God. That's a big one, too, because a lot of people think, well, um, you know, there, there's not many things, Pastor Stephen, that are pure. Oh, that would be a big hint that you have probably been channel surfing on the wrong channels. Okay? So you want your mind to meditate on the right channels, these eight things. You want your mind to be, be developed in these particular areas. And it has to be pure. And if it's not pure, you shouldn't be camping there with your thought life. Okay? Pure means that which is clean, that which is wholesome 
that which is free from stain. Don't turn the channel on me. This is from the Bible. Okay. Meditate on those things that are pure, those things again that are clean, that are wholesome, that are free from stain and free from any form of defilement. If it's not pure, why are you thinking about that? See, train your brain. Don't let your just brain just channel surf and flip through all the channels. Say, no, hold on, hold on a minute, Mr. Brain. Hold on, mind. These are the channels that God said we are allowed to watch. And these are the channels, these are the mediums of, of meditation that we are going to be thinking upon. See, if you don't, if you don't tell your mind or give your mind the choices of what it's allowed to view, it'll it'll go all over the place. It'll, it'll start thinking about all kinds of crazy things. There is a spiritual mind. There's a carnal mind. And you can be a Christian and be carnally minded. But if you do, you're, you're, not going to be get, you're not going to be able to really know the heart of God or get into the glory of God or get into the real blessing of God. Because you have to be able to work with the Holy Spirit. And to be able to work with the Holy Spirit, you have to be spiritually minded. Oh, this takes work. This takes intentional focus. To not only do it, but also to not let your mind go over here and, and get over there, but to bring it back, to bring it back. Praise God. Look, when you're praying, stay focused in your praying. When you're praying in tongues, when you're praying for long periods of time in the Spirit, have something that your mind is focused on. Don't just let your mind drift in the so-called nothingness. This, you know, the land of nirvana, where we're just going to go off in the la-la land. We'll empty ourselves, and then once we've emptied ourselves, we'll let something fill us up. No, something will fill you up all right, an evil spirit. Don't go into that. No, we are told what we are supposed to do with our minds. We are told what we are to meditate on. Hallelujah. And it's not some kind of a vague, ethereal thing. It's a biblical thing that's very solid and very concrete, and that will keep your mind from drifting. Praise the Lord. Let your mind think and meditate upon those things that are pure. Remember, this is the mind sandwich. If you do this, if you do this, this is the place of, of peace that passes beyond all understanding. This is the realm of God, of peace that God knows, and that we can know also. Glory to God. But so much of this peace revolves around the way that we train, develop, and discipline our mind. And you have to work on it from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep. You have to work on the development of your mind, what you're going to think on, and what you're not going to think on. And you have to be very intentional about it. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. The next thing that we're told to meditate on with their mind is that which is lovely. A word that I have to admit is not used too often. It sounds kind of feminine, doesn't it? Meditate on those things that are lovely. Doesn't sound very masculine. Doesn't sound like maybe something that a guy with a camouflage outfit on with a big hunting rifle would maybe want to think about. But those things that are lovely are for us. Hallelujah. For men and for women both. Now, the word lovely could also be translated as the word pleasing. Think about those things that are pleasing, but it's in a sense of those things that are lovely. What does that mean? The word lovely can be defined as whatever would be attractive to souls that are holy. Woo! And it's also that attractiveness of God, but it's also something that would be stirring up the love of God on the inside of you. 
those things that stir up the love of God on the inside of you. I have found that the closer you get to the Lord, that some things that were maybe formerly like you, you thought they were just the rage, they were the big thing, they were the thing that captured your attention, yet you start getting close to the Lord, and those things of the world, they start to lose their, their glitter. They start to use their, lose their shine. They start looking kind of dull. They actually start looking temporal. They start looking like, oh, that's not that big of a deal. I used to really be into that, but it's just not moving me anymore. Why? You're beginning now to think upon things that are lovely, and it's these things that are lovely that become attractive to the souls that want to please and serve the Lord. Woo! Glory to God. So... So, you know, uh, sometimes, you know, we can have maybe a hobby and something, you know, something that maybe that we're really into. And I think there are things that are pure and clean that, that we can do that are nice and that are fun. But sometimes there can be maybe hobbies that are a little bit grungy. Uh, they can have an edge to them where, uh, you know, they, they can maybe lead into some areas of darkness. And you start walking with the Lord and, you know, you just think, you know what? I'm going to start to phase that out because I, I don't want to be crossing the fence, doing something that leads me to a fence where it's very easy to cross the fence and get over into areas that just would not be good. Praise the Lord. So, so let the Lord help you with that. Those things that are lovely. I, I think the materials that we read, particularly books, can really have a lot to do with that. Meditating on those things that are lovely, that would inspire you to get closer to God. Hallelujah. Watch out. You may have to change some of the things that you're reading. You may have to uh, clear out some of the books that are on your shelf. Ladies, those old uh, romance novels. You know, you're, here you are married, or also if you're single, you shouldn't be reading, reading those things either. I found that the, the people that read those, the ladies that read those that are married, they're reading those because they're, they have an unsatisfied marriage and something's missing. Well, you need to get rid of the romance novels. That's not going to help anything. And you need to start reading books on how to have a good marriage, specifically read books along that line that will help you to get closer to the Lord so that, that your marriage begins to reflect the marriage between Christ and the church. Woo, hallelujah. Yes, we have to work on these things. Glory to God. Those things that are lovely, you should be meditating on. And if they're not lovely, then it could be a disqualifying thing that you say, you know what, I've been doing this, but uh, the more I do that, it actually pulls me over to a carnality. I really want to start to cut that off with my thinking. Praise God. Let the Holy Spirit help you with that. It's very, very good. Those things that are lovely. Those things that are of good report. Good report. Glory to the Lord. I like that. Things that are of good report, meditate on. Meditate on that. I, I drove to South Carolina just a few days ago to record a, well, it's not so much recording, actually to do a live television program uh, for that part of the state. And after it was over, I, I was getting ready to leave the television studio. And the lady that was running the studio that night, she said, here, she said, here, Pastor Stephen, here are the results of how many people got saved tonight when you gave the call for salvation and prayed for the lost to receive Christ. 
Woo, glory to God. She gave me the numbers. And look, that's what I that's what I live for for stuff like that. What is that? A good report. And meditate on the things that are, are of a good report. Somebody got saved, a family member got saved. And think about that. The value that we can take souls with us when we go to heaven. Mm-mm. A good report. You want to meditate on those things that are good reports. In my office, in my desk. I actually print out certain emails that are just a really good report. I'll, I'll, I'll take them and I'll print them out. Some of you, you send them in to me. And these wonderful emails that are just loaded with a good report, it, it encourages me, inspires me, and I, I don't want to lose that. I'll actually print them out. Uh, sometimes they come in by cards. Maybe you'll, you'll write a card and you'll, you'll send it to me, and I just read it, and I'm just so blessed by it and it's such a good report that I'll, I'll take it and I'll, I'll stick it in my desk and I'll keep it there I've got I've got good reports that have been in my desk for years and it, it's just growing and it's growing now, I can't keep all of them but they're really really good ones yes I, I like to keep them and I'll go back and I'll reread them and I'll, I'll think that's just wonderful I like meditating on good reports praise God meditate on things that are a good report meditate on that which would be a virtue a virtue is a commendable quality. Meditate on a commendable quality that you would see in the lives of others, and you think, you know what, I like that. I think I'm going to begin to do stuff like that. Hallelujah. One day I was going to, uh, when I was in my, in my 20s, my mid-20s, I was going to go out on the, out on the streets and, you know, witness to, to just whoever was on the street about Christ. And so, you know, it was good to do that two by two. So I was going to meet a friend. And I came, I was all prayed up. And I'm, I met him. He said, Stephen, I'm ready to go. I said, I'm ready to go too. I've, I've had some good prayer time. He said, I've had some good time in the Word. He said, I just got through. See, I still remember this like it was yesterday. He said, I just got through reading First and Second Peter, First and Second, Third John. Then I went and read the little bitty letter of Jude. He said, then I read the whole book of James. He said, I've been in the Word for a couple of hours. He said, I'm ready to go. I said, me too. And we just go out and minister to the people, and you're so full of faith, you're so full of the love and the joy of the Lord, that it's very easy to minister to the people. But I thought, you know what? He's reading a lot of the Word. I want to read more of the Word like that. So that virtue in him inspired me. And so shortly after that, I took my Bible and I sat down, and I thought, what am I going to read today? Because I was off work that day. I thought, what am I going to read today? And I just, uh, I just said, I'm going to read the book of Jeremiah. And I sat down, and I started reading. And I sat, and I sat, and I read, and I read. And I read through the entire book of Jeremiah. Well, I, 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 I was real happy when I had finished reading it. And my pastor saw me walking by because I, I lived right behind him. He had the house and he had a little rental house back behind it. He rented to me. And he said, Brother Brooks, he said, you look happy in your spirit. I said, Pastor, I just got through reading the, uh, the book of Jeremiah. He said, that's good. He said, which chapters? Well, I said, I said, all of them. He said, well, what do you mean all of them? I, I said, I read the whole book. He said, you read the whole book? I said, yes. He said, well, how long did that take you? Well, I, I said, I think it took about five, five hours and 30 minutes, something, something like, a, you know, like five and a half hours. He said, you really actually read the whole book? I said, yeah. I said, I said when you read it all the way through, it just makes so much more sense. <laughs> I said, I really enjoyed it. I said, I'm kind of, I'm kind of hungry now. I'm going to go get something to eat. <laughs> and he, he looked at me, and he, uh, uh, he just seemed 
a little puzzled, but he, he seemed inspired. And I thought it was kind of funny because when I drove by the park the next day, there he was sitting on a rock, and he had his Bible open. And when I came back later, it was like two hours later, he was still sitting on the rock with his Bible open reading. I don't know what he was reading. But see, virtue, when you see that virtue, when you, when you meditate on that, when you, when you see that virtue, you think, that's a quality of Christ that I want in my life. And it inspires you and inspires you. Praise God. And see, meditate on stuff like that. It's contagious in a really, really good way. I'll never forget another episode that happened in my life where I was in college and I went into the office of one of the uh, Bible professors. His name was uh, Professor Talbert. And I, I said, uh, Mr. Talbert, I said, um, what are you doing? He was, he was pouring a glass of milk from a, a little bitty uh, milk carton, like, you know, the paper milk carton. He was pouring it very slowly into a glass. And uh, to me, I'm like, you know, boy, you know, it seems like you're like pouring like, like liquid gold in there. I, I, like, like, what's the big deal? I mean, he was pouring it in real slow. And he said, I, I said, what are you doing? He said, oh, I'm just pouring some milk in here. I said, well, why, why are you drinking milk right now? He said, I just finished a three-day fast. And so he said, this is my first thing really to drink besides water. And so I, he said, I'm looking forward to my milk. <laughs> I, said, you, I said, you fasted for three days? See, I was, in my, I was in my early 20s, raised in church all my life, all my life, and I had never, ever heard one sermon on fasting. Never. Now, I had somehow heard that Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, but I never thought anybody on the planet, out of all the millions of Christians on the planet, I never thought anybody even fasted anymore. And so here, for the first time in my life, I'm meeting a man who just finished fasting eating no food and drinking nothing for three days but water. What happened? I, I came into contact with virtue, something that was virtuous. And this is a very rare word in the Bible. It's only used one other time in the entire Bible, in the entire New Testament. So it's a very rare word, this word virtue. And I thought when I saw him, I didn't sense any pride. I sensed humility. But somehow God wanted me to know that prayer and fasting are still for today. And I just something clicked in my spirit. I would like to be able to do that. I think that would help me in my walk with the Lord. Wow. Mm -mm. Well, I found out later that Mr. Tarbot, uh, who was a good influence in my life, I found out later that he was a spirit-filled Christian. Mm -mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to the Lord. What is virtue? Commendable qualities. The qualities of Christ. And you, when you see it, you're just like, I like that. I like that. I think I want some of that in my life. Glory to God. Meditate on that. You'll see the Holy Spirit highlighted at times. Highlighted. It's standing out. Why? Why? That's for you too. Woo! Maybe, this, maybe the spiritual gifts. You see somebody operating the gift of prophecy and you think, wow, that really blesses people, Lord. I think I'd like to have that in my life. Meditate on these things. Number eight. The last one. Remember, they're sandwiched in between the peace of God. Okay? This is the mind sandwich, what we're supposed to meditate on. Number one, always a good way to wrap it up, that which is praiseworthy. Meditate on those things that are praiseworthy. I love it. 
Well, it wasn't too long ago I was in London talking with a very dear man of God, a mighty apostle, and he were talk, he, we were talking, and uh, he shared something with me that I, I certainly thought was praiseworthy. He said, Brother Stephen, he said, can I show you a picture of my blessing? I said, yes, I'd, I'd love to see your blessing. I said, what is it? He said, take a look at it. He said, this is a castle, a church built like 150 years ago, built by the King of Scotland with no expense spared, worth millions of dollars. And he showed me a picture of it. I said, whoo, wow. I said, it would take a king to build that. He said, it was just given to me. I said, now come on. He said, I'm, he said, I'm serious. He said, he said, God touched the heart of a businessman and gave that man a dream. And in the dream, God told that man to buy that property for me, for my ministry. And uh, he actually, the, the businessman actually called me and said, God told me to do that. And he said, I, he said, let me pray about it. And, and, and as he prayed, the Lord said, yes, it's of me. Let him do that for you. Let him buy that for your ministry. And he actually bought this beautiful castle church building that is just absolutely amazing. And he said, he said, now, Brother Stephen, you're going to come preach for me in that, in that uh, church, won't you? I said, oh, hallelujah. I'd be, I'd be happy to do that. Amen. So that's on the schedule for next year. But, you know, that's something that's praiseworthy. I meditate on that. Woo, hallelujah. Lord, you blessed my friend. You blessed my brother with a with a, an amazing property. Lord, I meditate on that. God, you still do miracles. God, you still open blind eyes. I, I, I read a miracle today where this one sister, she was singing a song on the platform. She was the worship leader. And as she was singing a song, she suddenly came off the platform, went over to a lady that had her hand lifted in the air. She was in the congregation, but she was standing actually over by the side because it was a very crowded meeting. She went over to her, and the lady had her hand up in the air, and she had her other hand, she, her other hand had a, a napkin, like a tissue, and she had that hand on her nose. Her nose was covered up with the tissue. And that lady came off the platform, came up to her, and said, In the name of Jesus receive and touched her and the lady lowered she lowered the napkin and a nose began to pop out because her nose had been pre previously had been completely eaten away with cancer there was nothing there just a hole two two little holes where the nostrils had been at and she was covering it up with a napkin worshiping god and praising God and that anointing touched her and she dropped the napkin and people watched as the cartilage formed first all the cartilage just began to boom, come out and then the skin and the, the, the flesh and the skin came over the cartilage and she got a brand new nose in front of everybody ah meditate on those things that are praiseworthy God that makes me want to praise you you're a mighty God you do miracles for ministers you do miracles for your people hallelujah Lord, I'm meditating on this because I believe you're going to do great miracles in my life. And so you're praiseworthy. 
Mm, you're praiseworthy. You have to tell your mind to stay on that channel. We are staying on the channel of being praiseworthy. We're not going to grumble. Yes, we can have challenges, and the enemy can throw up many roadblocks in our life, but as we continue to meditate on God's Word and keep our mind on these things that He has told us to meditate on, we just keep conquering. We keep moving forward. We keep taking larger portions of our inheritance in Christ, and we keep doing those things God has called us to do hallelujah trials and difficulties notwithstanding we still keep moving forward and we are blessed on every side my friends do you really want to be engulfed with the peace of God on your left and on your right as verse 7 and verse 9 would reveal if you want to be engulfed with that peace and be sandwiched into the peace of God then just work verse 8 and have that as the contents of your mind sandwich and here they are are you ready those things that are true those things that reflect the noble character of Christ in your life those things that are just those things that are right and would be your obligation to do those things that are pure clean and wholesome with no stain or any form of defilement those things that are lovely those things that are of good report those things that are, are virtuous and have commendable qualities and those things that are praiseworthy glory to God meditate stay on that channel meditate on those things praise God Heavenly Father I pray for your people today that these eight qualities of the Lord Jesus Christ of his way of thinking that they would become our way of thinking Hallelujah, that they would intentionally stay away from the wrong channels and they would keep their minds on the right channel. Woo! Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God, for stealing the minds of your people like steel, like metal. Hallelujah. Unbreakable steel bands of strength, of purity. Hallelujah. They would not allow their minds just to float randomly off into areas that they do not belong. We thank you, Father God. We thank you for staying the course. We give you all of the praise. Let our mind be stayed upon you, which means to be fixed upon your word. We give you praise. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord always establishes parameters and boundaries, not only for the natural, but also even for our thoughts. Praise God. And as we do that, we will be engulfed with the peace of God. Now, let's take Holy Communion together today. Glory to the Lord. Glory to the Lord. God is helping you to renovate your mind. Woo! Thank you, Lord Jesus. And because of the renovation, you're going to go higher and higher and higher in the Spirit. Praise the Lord. Mm. You're going to come into new realms of health, new realms of prosperity are opening up to you as you renovate your mind with proper biblical thinking. And I know what it is to take off old garments and old layers of old tradition old religious tradition and wrong thinking and wrong teaching and put on the garments of Christ and clothe our minds with the scripture with the word of God but I tell you what it is so worth it to make those necessary adjustments and changes praise God Heavenly Father we thank you for the bread and the juice we consecrate and now bless this this is now the flesh and the body and the blood of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for the Lord's body. We receive it by faith with great thanksgiving, knowing that this is the way that we are supposed to think. Thank you, Father God. Let us dive in and find much joy and freedom for our minds. In the name of Jesus, let us gauge everything that we think about by these eight standards. Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's receive now. Praise the Lord. The blessing of the Lord making you rich. The blessing of the Lord working in your thought life. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The thoughts, the thoughts of the diligent lead only to plenteousness. Woo! Hallelujah. That's what it says. Thoughts of plenty, thoughts of more than enough. Not thoughts of lack and insufficiency, but thoughts of more than enough. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. We ask that you would forgive us from any wrong thoughts, impure thoughts, unholy thoughts, unclean thoughts, unbiblical ways of thinking. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Wash us with the blood of Jesus. We receive now the complete forgiveness of all sins. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Woo! There's somebody watching right now. You, you have wanted to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and you've wanted to speak in other tongues. Now, now is your moment. The moment that you receive the Holy Communion, the blood of Christ, begin to open your mouth and speak in other tongues. Let's receive now. Lord, we thank you. If that's you, you've never spoken in other tongues, but you would like to just open your mouth right now. The Holy Spirit will give you the utterance and speak it out right now. I'll do it with you. Just go ahead and let it come out. Hallelujah. Those of you that are already filled with the Holy Spirit, just begin to speak with me. Speak in tongues. Now's your time. Receive this by faith. Open your mouth. Let it come out. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory to God. Now, I want to encourage you that now that you're speaking in other tongues, just let that flow. I'm going to conclude the program at this time, but let that speaking in tongues continue to flow. Just continue to speak it out. Let that beautiful utterance of the Spirit come out. Hallelujah. Let it flow. Hallelujah. My friends, thank you for watching. I look forward to seeing you back next time. Till then, you be richly blessed. Bye-bye.